I feel like I thrive when I control the chaos. You understand it's going to be chaotic and you just kind of work within that. Hi, I'm Nils Vinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya and today my guest is Jenny McDougall. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm psyched to be here. I'm psyched to have you here, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we get started, would you share with me and our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you're working for? Sure. I am the Director of Engineering at Reprise. For those of you who don't know what Reprise does, um, we are a uh, demo creation platform. So we help marketing teams and sales teams create no-code product tours that really help create product-qualified leads. So we're able to essentially take screen captures and link them together, fully customize them without an actual demo environment or having to maintain a demo environment. And then you can use those for marketing materials or on a sales call. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. I've been involved in a lot of demos over the years. And one of the hardest things to do is to put together something meaningful before something actually exists or, you know, in earlier stages and whatnot. Well, who are the types of companies and, and teams? I understand you're serving marketing teams, but is there a particular vertical niche or something that you focus on? Because that sounds like a really powerful solution. Absolutely. And our customers are literally across the board. You never really want to be on a sales call with bad internet or no engineer really wants to be the engineer, the chosen one to maintain that demo environment. Oh, I've, I've been close to that and I know exactly what you mean. Great point. Great point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so really it's anyone trying to sell or market any, really anything. Uh, we use a Chrome extension. So that paired with our web app editor allows all the customization. So instead of on a sales call, for example, imagine your logo here. We just put their logo there and put their color scheme and can anonymize all the data. So you don't have to maintain that demo environment for each one of your clients as, as you're selling. That sounds pretty, pretty slick. I wish that was around a few times ago when I was in the seat doing demos and <laughs> trying to build these. I spent a large part of multiple of my roles building the demo environment and building the demo to be able to show the demo. And I know how much that works that takes. That's amazing. Absolutely. That's amazing. All right, cool. So super interesting work that you're doing with Reprise. Love it. Now let's shift gears and talk about you. I would love to hear how you got into your very first leadership position. The first one was a, a wild ride. I actually started the first 
company I joined, I was roughly the 30th employee right out of college and didn't realize the company I was joining was, was a rocket ship. So we ended up doubling every year. I was there for 10 and a half years, but when we started 30 employees, pretty much every six months, I was getting promoted because my boss was getting promoted and I would just kind of take over her role. And then all of a sudden I found myself managing one team and then a handful of teams. After a couple years of that, I joined the dark side and joined engineering. And pretty much everything I know about engineering, I learned on the job. So with an international business background, I found myself on the engineering side. That's okay. That's fascinating. All right. So the first job out of college, you just happened to join a company with 30 employees. And then what was it? Uh, five years later, it was like 5,000 or something. That's Yeah. Amazing. So 10 years later, there were 5,000 employees, some through acquisitions. And then uh, in the end, we got acquired. It was a really exciting time to see and learn everything. Yeah. I feel like we need that little banner at the bottom of this um, episode that says results not typical. Your mileage may vary. (laughs) Hashtag not normal. (laughs) Hashtag not normal. Exactly. I like, you know, I've joined lots of startups. I know lots of people join lots of startups. They never made it anywhere close to there. And, you know, it's so cool that you got to see that ride and be part of that growth and experience that from the get go doesn't happen very often. So that's really awesome. In going through those, that growth stage, when you started managing your first team, right? As a result of your boss getting promoted, then you got promoted, then all of a sudden you're left with, okay, wait a second, now I'm responsible for this whole group of people. How did you navigate through that situation being you know, not too long since you had graduated from school and in this incredibly fast-growing rocket ship? Like, there must have been a lot of chaos and a lot of things going on. Yes, I feel like I thrive when I control the chaos. You understand it's going to be chaotic and you just kind of work within that. One piece of advice that I learned early, thankfully, is that you don't need to have all the answers yourself. When you first start, I was terrified, definitely imposter syndrome of I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly what to tell someone in order to achieve their specific goals or show them or tell them exactly how to do that. Understanding that I don't need the answers, but to try and help kind of foster that learning and help them figure out what they might want to be when they grow up and allow them those opportunities to try things out. What they think they might want to do, they might try it and really fast realize that that is not really for them. Giving those folks the opportunity to try things out, figure out what they want to do, and then really provide opportunities for them to grow within those boundaries. All right. That's that's one powerful learning there, realizing that you didn't need to have the answers. And that is a core one has been echoed by lots of guests on the podcast. It's something I focus on heavily as a leadership coach and helping leaders develop and whatnot. So I'm curious, was there a pivotal moment that you learned this or a conversation you had with somebody where you got insight of this? Because that wasn't how you were thinking up to that point, right? It had to shift in that moment. Definitely. And it was actually grabbing beers with one of my former bosses. And he was like, you know, I told you to do this. And I myself had no clue how you were going to do it. This was like years later, like after years later, sat down with your former boss from years ago. 
And then he shared this nugget that he had no clue how to do what he told you to do. <laughs> yep. And I was like, wait, all right, I get it. I get it. This, <laughs> this is trickery, but I'm in. <laughs> but I could totally do that too, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everyone can do it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And sometimes it can feel like that, like, you know, trickery in a air quotes kind of nice way, right? That there's this magic curtain of it's the wizard. Don't pay attention to the the, the guy behind the curtain, right? It's, it's like, you know, just go about this. And then at some point you are granted this incredible wisdom to understand that you don't have to have the answers. It's like, no, that's part of the reason of this podcast is to learn from everybody else. It took you several years to learn that. And it only came as a result of having a conversation with your boss outside of the context of your normal work years after you were actually in the situation. And I find that yep. fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you think? What do you think is behind that? Right. So there's you were going through this super fast growth company. What do you think was behind the fact that this only was a realization or a learning or something you took away years later. The company didn't, you know, create an environment or said, hey, this is how to be a leader, right? Your boss at the time was thinking, hey, I'm going to tell Jenny to do this stuff and I don't know how to do it. But how, why do you think it is that nobody ever told you that that was the real case and the real one of the real secret sauce pieces to leadership? Yeah, good question. I don't really know. I think that my kind of my approach is just kind of filling in the gaps and filling in the holes. Really, there were opportunities that just things needed to get done. And no one really knew necessarily how to do it. That's actually why I love startups. You're creating all of these processes um, and policies and stuff and figuring it out with a different team and a new product as you go. What worked before might not work this time. So trying things out and just really taking full advantage of any opportunity thrown your way. Give it a shot. The worst you can do is fail. Right. And then there'll be another opportunity next <laughs> to solve the next problem, right? And that echoes many of the same things I love about startups as well. It's just the there's no one set path. There's no one perfect thing that if you don't do it this way, you're toast, like you'll never do it again. Like, no, it's just about experimentation and nothing works until it works. <laughs> that's that's the best part. So I want to come back to what you said earlier about thriving when I control the chaos. Could you share a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. So even in my role now, about a little over a year ago, we had eight employees and now we have 150. So once again, <laughs> joined an early stage startup and off we go. If anybody's paying attention here, whatever company you join, just follow Jenny and go join wherever she joins if you want to go on a rocket ship ride. I think you've proven you've had the ability to catch these at the right time. <laughs> I have been very fortunate, very lucky, and have had some really fun, fun wild rides. But because we are growing so quickly, I would say that one of the key things is hiring folks that you believe in, that are great team players and cultural fits rather than the smartest person in the room. It's really not going to work out if you are the smartest person in the room and you can't communicate to the, to the rest of the team. So getting folks that are really want to collaborate and want to help each other out, kind of not necessarily setting specific boundaries 
and letting those folks explore explore what they can and come up with solutions that may or may not have they've tried before or have worked before. Yeah, love it. And setting those boundaries and then the exploration. It's like, you know, I'll play within these realms and have a lot of fun. There's no roboticness. This is not, you have to do this and you can only do this and whatever. It's no, within this playground, go to General town. idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fun, right? Well, you said earlier that you know that it's chaos and that's different than someone going into an environment where all of a sudden chaos is a surprise. So how does knowing that the environment that you're in is chaos, you know, shape how you approach it from a leadership perspective? I would say that every team kind of has their own way of working. So within that team, you should know kind of what their strengths and what their weaknesses are. Whenever you're given a team, a project, and you know it's not necessarily their strength, there's going to be some chaos in there as they're learning and figuring it all out. Making sure that they have the support and the tools to succeed, but including that unknown into all of the estimation and planning and everything and allowing them again to, to try things out and making sure, of course, the chaos doesn't go, doesn't grow too big or go off the rails. But knowing it's there is, it's just going to be there. And just embracing it. <laughs> yeah, embrace embrace it. I love that word. Because a lot of times what you can find in startups or in larger organizations is there's an expectation that chaos won't be there or chaos is a bad thing. And the reality is the opposite. If you know it's there, it's just, it just is. It's not good or it's not bad. It's just, it just is. Is that, you see that that way too? Absolutely. And I think any environment where there might not be perceived chaos there probably is a lot kind of in the background behind that curtain. So at least if you bring it to the forefront, you can talk about it. That's why we have retro at the end of every sprint, kind of pick out those, the more most chaotic pieces and figuring out how to smooth that process a little bit more without, of course, trying to boil the ocean and take on way too much in a given two week period. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. Coming back to the, you learned everything you know on the job, right? You went over to the dark side, as you said, to the engineering side of the house and you've never left. So obviously there was a good fit there. What is it about the engineering side from a leadership perspective that you just love and have passion for and have been doing this work for now a long time? Yeah, I would say I love the people I work with. Seeing the excitement in, especially the more junior engineers, the excitement of figuring out how to do something or learning something new, or we do at Reprise, we do continuous deployment. So we're deploying between 15 and 20 times a day. And our new hires are actually deploying to production um, on day one. So 
being able to see that excitement of someone who's like, typically, oh yeah, I joined a company. Today was just a bunch of meetings. The HR enrollment period. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like here, they get their hands in the code. They make some small changes. And at the end of the day, they see them and they're like, wow, I'm, I'm already making an impact. And just seeing that like fire in them and kind of stoking that fire to learn and grow and really just become incredible engineers as they go on their journey. That's wonderful. I mean, day one, you know, pushing code to production, that's a pretty big feat in and of itself. I commend you for for setting up an environment where that is that is the norm. That's really cool. Love it. Now you talked a little bit earlier about you know, helping people figure out what they want to be when they grow up. And I know it's not always the easiest thing to do. It's not always the easiest conversation to have. There's a lot wrapped up in it that is often way outside of our view as leaders. So I'm curious about the types of situations that you've been in with some of your team members, either at Reprise or other companies in the past, when it comes to helping them figure out where they want to go in their career, what they want to do. What have you seen, you know, as a common trait? And then how have you approached it to help them uh, grow and develop and really kind of take control themselves? Yeah. So I would say that most people don't necessarily know what they want to do. Um, Obviously, I would say that most engineers are like, yes, I want to keep coding. But there's many different avenues to take. At Reprise, we have a career lattice rather than a ladder that kind of allows you to go a few different ways. And many engineers kind of see it as, okay, I'm a software engineer and then a senior, then a principal, and then a chief architect or the CTO somewhere. In many organizations, kind of as you grow and do that, you could end up not coding anymore and being much more people-oriented than kind of hands-on keyboard. So I would say that the biggest thing is figuring out if that is something that you want. There are also many people who think they want that until they do it. So one thing I have done in the past that has worked out well is that pretty much as soon as someone is interested in managing somebody else, obviously once they get kind of to that level, allowing that to happen. So we have co-ops from Northeastern that we've worked with, as well as a handful of more junior engineers. So I have in the past let some more senior folks who might be interested in leading teams and uh, managing people, try it out. Give them one or two uh, more junior engineers and see how it goes. In one case, I let them try it out. And two weeks later, they were like, listen, that, that was good, but that was terrible. I had no time to actually get my own work done. And I was like, yeah, that, that can be the case sometimes. Like, yep. <laughs> is that still something we're thinking about? And being able to let them try in a, in a safe environment, a brave environment where it's okay to give it a shot and then reevaluate and then move forward given those those results. That's wonderful. And trying things out like that in a safe environment without having to go through, well, you have to actually get promoted into the position officially and then you get to figure <laughs> out whether or not you like this. Like, <laughs> And then realize it's terrible. 
right. <laughs> but experimenting with it to get a taste and sometimes it's going to hit and sometimes it's not. And that's okay, but better to know, especially for you in the org, like where the interest lies. And again, it's not good or bad whether or not someone wants to go down that path. It just is what each person is you know, designed to do or really interested in doing. Absolutely. So I'm curious about the career lattice. Can you share a little bit more about that? He says, it's not a ladder, it's a lattice. Um, share a little bit more about what that means. Yeah, so essentially for the engineers, there's a few different points where you could go more technical or a more managerial path. And kind of where that diverges is where a handful of folks try the people management or at least understand better and can kind of shadow some folks into their daily lives. Sometimes it involves, as I said, like trying things out. Other times it's more kind of introspective of figuring out if they break down their daily tasks, what they love and what they don't like so much. I call it a donut exercise where essentially you make like a half a donut on a piece of paper. What you really love to do is kind of the donut hole. And as you go further out, it's what you don't love so much. So what you love, what you're okay with, and what you'd rather not do. And figuring out how to move more things towards the center, and then really getting rid of the stuff that's on the outside, whether it be delegating to somebody else or reevaluating if those processes or those tasks are really needed at all anymore. Mm -hmm. And are those things that, you know, you're working with your team members and your engineers to go through that exercise. What's the response that you get when they spend the time to go through this? Because it's kind of a self-reflective exercise, right? You're not saying, here's your donut and here's all the pieces of it. You're saying, here's here's a setup of a donut. I want you to fill out what this means. What kind of a engagement and response do you get when they go through that? I would say at first, because the first instruction without anything else, I just say, take a sticky note and for every single task you do in a day, write it down. Nice. And they're like, well, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? Uh And I'm like, no, it'll be fun. Just trust me. (laughs) Yeah. They roll their eyes. It's fine. (laughs) Um, So then from there, I explain kind of what we're doing, where to put those pieces. And at the end, they're like, huh, because if you take a step back and look at it, some folks are loving what they're doing. All of their sticky notes are near the middle and they're super excited about most things. And other folks, you're like, huh, most of their stuff is on the outside. Like there, there's a lot of conversation to be had from that probably 10 minute, 15 minute exercise why are so many things on the outside? Is there things we want to pull towards the center to make them more enjoyable? Or are you realizing like what you're doing every day just isn't what you love? <laughs> and that's fine. And we can figure out kind of what to do from there. That's awesome. And I love the exercise of, you know, getting a bunch of things that are right in front of your face, out in front and physically written down, and then taking a step back and looking at it, and I'd be surprised if anybody ever doesn't see anything that jumps out. Like, oh, 
I didn't even realize that. And I've been swimming in this, you know, non-existent donut hole for a very long time. And no wonder it doesn't feel very good. (laughs) Absolutely. The first time I did it, I did it within scrum teams and folks were able to just swap tasks. Someone's like, oh, I actually, I really enjoy doing that. I'll take that from you. So it really worked out actually a lot better than I originally thought it might. (laughs) That's, that's fantastic. And I mean, that's a great testament to lining up the work that gets done to the strengths that individuals have. And everybody's wired to see the world a different way and to do things a different way. And what a cool exercise to do that with a group of people and let everybody see, okay, what's on the outside of your circle and what would I take from that? That's cool. I'm going to bring that into my donut hole in the center. That's really a fantastic uh, exercise. Love it. And it's all centered around donuts. So if you have donuts in the meeting too, even better. Right. It was originally an onion. And I was like, listen, I don't do onions. Donuts, though. I can get behind donuts. <laughs> yeah, totally. Then, yeah, Because you can't bring a bunch of onions to a meeting and say, we're going to, yeah, no. But donuts, always a hit. Always a hit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. Curious for your thoughts on, you know, the, on this, in this development piece. Like, this is clearly all being driven by the individual, where their time is spent, what they like to do. And then you're helping to facilitate the conversation to help them see the patterns of what's working really well and perhaps what could be changed or shifted and whatnot. There's a phrase that I use all the time called, everybody is the CEO of his or her career. And I would love to get your take on that. And does that apply in this kind of situation? Is that where you're trying to foster something along those lines? Or is it a different perspective that you have when you hear that phrase? I would totally agree with that. I would say that my role is to kind of show an engineer or an individual kind of the different options and the different paths. And they could even create a totally different one that has never existed before. But I don't know what their true passions are, or what they really get from doing certain exercises or working on certain bugs or features. And I'm not going to do the work for them. So (laughs) having them really own the their journey is super important. I mean, I could kind of give everyone the same, the same exercise and the same treatment and go, great. Step one is this, step two is this, but not everyone will find that exciting or enjoyable or want to do that. So they really need to own it. I would say the one thing that I do try and encourage everyone is like, try everything. In many cases, it's not so bad to, you know, ask forgiveness rather than permission. Give it a shot, see what happens. And obviously in a startup, we want to be, we don't want too many bugs getting out to production, but kind of within an acceptable range, give something a shot, see how it goes and we can keep, keep iterating. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love how you said your role is to show the options in the past that exist and even help facilitate if one doesn't exist and they come up with that, but ultimately they're in charge, right? They're the one who is driving this and you're facilitating this just like you did with the donut exercise. You can't give them the answers to that, but you can absolutely help them work through it and ask them some powerful questions to reflect on it and look at their situation a little bit differently. Exactly. Wonderful advice. Um, All right, Jenny. So last question here. If you could go back in time, knowing everything you know today, but sit down with your younger self, fresh out of school, undergrad, in that startup, when you got into that first technical people leadership position, and 
you could have a conversation with your younger self, what advice would you share? I would say just try things. Just say yes. You might be terrified. You might have no idea what you're doing, but take every opportunity and just give it a shot. I am so grateful that my first manager kind of saw something in me and was like, she can definitely kind of, I will take her under my wing and we are going to crush it. And just having that support to give it a shot. I was managing a team. I had never managed a team before. Like, we'll figure this out. So really just taking every opportunity and, and running with it and really not being afraid of failure. Don't be afraid. That's awesome. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Just say yes. Take every opportunity. Not be afraid. Wonderful advice. And whether you're in a startup or in a you know large organization, I think that advice 100% applies. Right. Sometimes we think of the this kind of environment or this kind of innovation or this kind of experimentation only in the startup world because that's what it fosters and what it's kind of driven by. Reality is it exists in any role, anywhere, inside of any organization virtually, probably except the military. Probably not going to want to do some of these things in the military and experiment. Don't experiment there. As long as you're not in the military or working in a factory, it's fair game. <laughs> is that Definitely. fair? Definitely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Jenny. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you, thank you for sharing your experience, your advice, your wisdom, and just some wonderful, just great lessons that we can take away about how to successfully navigate either first-time leadership positions or in a you know director-level position working with a team of engineers and bringing donuts to the table and just how powerful that whole experience can be. So I loved hearing that. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. My pleasure. All right, take care. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.